Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz and I want to welcome all of our viewers. Thank you for tuning in and check this out. I don't have a guest tonight. I, I woke up today and I'm like, wow, I'm doing a solo show and I cannot for the life of me remember the last time I did a solo show. I believe it was sometime in the end of June, but I was really excited to come here and talk to you guys. I missed having our one-on-one -on -one chats, and I want to let everybody know, no matter who the guest, what's going on, I always read what you guys are saying. So don't think that you guys are being ignored. Obviously, when I'm doing an interview, I can't directly interact with each and every one of you, but I am seeing all your chats. So please, no matter who the uh, guest is, uh Late on, late on, you know, keep on talking. I'm seeing them, and occasionally I will relay uh, a message or two, but I am glad tonight. It's just me and you guys to chat. It's been a while. There's been a lot of news, headlines coming out. Uh, tomorrow, we are going right back into our interviews. I'm really excited about tomorrow's guest. Tomorrow, we are having Christine Evangelista who plays Sherry, currently on Fear the Walking Dead. Of course, we all know, started out on The Walking Dead. Really excited to talk to, talk to Christine. We are going to be covering uh, her time and introduction on The Walking Dead, all the way through to when we last saw her on The Walking Dead. If you all remember, it's when she uh, let Daryl escape the sanctuary. And then she disappeared. Of course, Dwight, at the end of All Out War, went looking for her. We don't know what was uh, going on with Sherry. And I'm curious. I have a lot of questions for her. I'm going to ask her, uh, first of all, what was it like coming onto the set? Sherry and Dwight were our introduction. Well, basically not ours, but our survivor's introduction to the saviors. Yeah, that's right. Dwight and Sherry, when they met up with Daryl in the woods, uh, that was our introduction to the Saviors. So she played a, a big role in that. Uh, Summer likes my t-shirt. Yes, I got a whole bunch of new t-shirts in. And I hope you guys saw uh, the social media video that I posted uh, like two days ago. I have ordered, I commissioned an artist to create unique Dead Talk Live t-shirts. And I am going to be giving them away to viewers. This was just the first batch that I ordered. Um, I'm going to be giving them away. And beyond that, uh, I haven't yet decided, uh, you know, how I'm going to give them out and whatnot. So I don't know. I haven't thought that far ahead. But I'm really excited about the t-shirt. I hope you guys got to see the video that I posted. That is a unique design. I commissioned an artist, a great artist from uh, a company called Brutal Bohemian. He came up with an awesome design. Uh, when I spoke to him, uh, I said, I don't want anything specific to a movie or a TV show. I want a very uh, all-encompassing horror genre uh, design. And that's what he came up with uh, for me. I uh, love the design. And of course, on the back, it has our Dead Talk Live logo. 
really excited about the t-shirts. The first batch that I ordered, I ordered 55 t-shirts. And it's just one of, I'm going to be ordering a lot more. So let me know, let me... Let me know if you guys are interested. Uh, there are more batches coming. These are not all spoken for. So I'm going to start giving them away, allowing people to buy them if they want, you know, extra. So just let me know. Depending on the feedback that I get from you guys, we'll decide how I move forward and what to do with these t-shirts. But anyway, big thank you to Brutal Bohemian on the amazing design the uh, awesome t-shirt and i gotta let you guys know these are not your cheap fabric t-shirts that are going to fade away after a couple of washes uh one of the the specs that i asked when i was getting these printed is i want them to be printed on the best quality uh material something that's not going to fade away after a couple of washes so these are grade A t-shirts with a kick-ass design, in my opinion. I want to say hello to some of you. Tina is with us. Lindsay Sparks, all the way from Canada, is with us. Uh, our Summer Springer is also joining us. Zoe Colette from England is joining us as well. Darren's uh, Tomo is joining us. Uh, Fernando, all you guys, thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Uh, Carol Ass, our regular, is joining us saying, hey guys, I missed you. Missed you too, Carol. Well, it's actually Carol, like Carl. <laughs> so, welcome to everybody. And a lot has happened since we've done, like I said, our last solo episode. Today was the release of American Horror Stories. Not the proper uh, American Horror Story, but the new episodic anthology show spin-off american horror stories uh it's a two-part it's going to be released one episode per week but the first uh it's a two-part so there's two episodes and it's not available you know like the mother show on fx cable satellite the only way to watch american horror stories is through hulu so, if you don't have a Hulu subscription, they offer a free trial, and I only had the chance uh, to see the first episode out of the first two. I'm going to watch the second one later on tonight, but it is amazing. I mean, just picture, you know, all of you guys who watch American Horror Story, but yet just compact it into single uh, episodes. Uh, each episode is going to be a story in itself. There are a lot of familiar faces that we know. Paris Jackson is in this uh, first episode. And wow, you know, Paris Jackson, for you guys that don't know, is the daughter of Michael Jackson. And uh, wow, she's grown up. Uh, she's grown up. And uh, I was really impressed with her performance. Uh, in the first episode uh, of American Horror Stories. I don't want to ruin it for you guys who haven't watched it yet. That was just released today. So it is awesome. If you guys have Hulu, definitely watch it. If you don't have Hulu, sign up for their free trial. Give it a shot. Hulu has some amazing content. And also Fear Street uh, released several weeks ago. 
And we already have the first two movies, uh, 1994 and 1978. The third of the the third part of the trilogy is coming out tomorrow, and that takes place in the year 1666. And I gotta tell you guys, Fear Street is just amazing. What a great show! Uh, it's a throwback, and it's a mixture of teen slasher, witch, uh, witches, mythology. Uh, all wrapped up into one. And the way they've... Uh, I won't, obviously, I haven't seen the third one yet. I've seen the first two. And they all tie into each other. And the way they're doing it is they are working their way back uh, from 1994 and then 1978. And the third one that we are getting tomorrow, 1666, is the start of... We get the origin story of The Witch, the witch who laid a curse upon this uh, town called uh, Shadyside, or, yeah, Shadyside. Uh, it's funny, it's like these two towns are right next to each other. Shadyside is the one that's cursed, and Sunnyside is where all the privileged people live, uh, while the people in Shadyside... It is like murder capital USA. And it's all because of this curse of a witch uh, back in 19, uh, sorry, in 1666. So I cannot wait to see how they wrap up that trilogy tomorrow. Uh, Netflix does not release their movies right at midnight. Uh, I don't know how, I've been trying to figure out how they do it. Uh, I'm on the East Coast of the United States. It doesn't get released at midnight on the East Coast. I've checked back at 3 a.m., which is West Coast time. Doesn't get released at 3 a.m. So sometime after 3 a.m. East Coast time, who knows? It, it'll be available tomorrow, basically. I'm a night owl, so I'm awake at midnight and 3 a.m., and I would love for the third one to pop up right at midnight or 3 a.m., but that's not how it works. So a lot of great stuff has come out. American Horror Stories, Fear Street, which is available on Netflix. If you guys have not watched it yet, uh, please, please, you will not be disappointed. Want to welcome Efren, says part of that story is definitely inspired by the movie Superstition. Yes, it is. Um... Colette, in regards to Paris Jackson, says she's made a beautiful, she's a beautiful young lady. Yes. Yes, she is. And I was just, uh, you know, amazed at how much she's grown up. And she's really talented. This is the first time I've seen her acting. And she's pretty talented. Uh, you know, so, and I'm glad they picked her uh, to be you know, in American Horror Stories, and I hope she's in more than just one or two episodes. I hope they put her in other episodes of American Horror Stories, and I would love to see her, you know, on the mother show, uh, American Horror Story, which I believe is premiering in October, and unless things have changed, American Horror Story is going to be available where it's always been available, and that's on the proper FX channel. 
So, you know, cable, satellite, whatever you have, if you have access to FX uh, in October, that's when season 10 of American Horror Stories releasing, you'll be able to watch it there. But check out the spinoff. You will definitely not be disappointed at the spinoff. Uh, Marco is asking, has anyone caught the first two episodes of American Horror Stories? I've only seen the first one. It is a two-part premiere. Uh, so I have not yet seen the second one. I've seen the first one. I'm going to watch the second one later on tonight. So tomorrow, like I said, we're going to have Sherry, uh, Christine Evangelista from The Walking Dead, now currently on Fear the Walking Dead. A lot of questions. Really looking forward to Christine tomorrow. And then Saturday, we are doing a Saturday episode of Dead Talk Live. We are going to be having a special guest Peter Drago Tienman. Uh, this guy is renowned for his stunt work. He is uh, directed, uh, produced, I uh, believe he even wrote this new movie called The Stairs. It's uh, officially being released August 12th, which is my birthday, by the way, uh, in theaters. And uh, they were nice enough to share with us a link, a screener link to the movie. I'm halfway through it, and this is a this is an interesting story. Uh, like I said, the movie is being officially released August twelfth. Uh, it's an interesting story. Uh, it's an independent film. Uh, it also stars one of uh, our other guests that's going to be joining us August sixteenth, and that's Adam Corson. Uh, he's the star of the movie. And we're lucky enough to get the director, writer, and producer this Saturday. Saturday's episode of Dead Talk Live will be starting at 7 p.m. So if you want to catch uh, Peter's interview, please tune in Saturday at 7 p.m. This new this movie, The Stairs, like I said, I'm halfway through it. And it's really fascinating. It's an interesting storyline. It's definitely unique in its approach. And, you know, I'm a big supporter of independent films, and you do not need a big budget to make especially a, a great horror movie. You, like I've always said, you need a good story, you need good actors. If you put the right people in place, you do not need millions upon millions of dollars to make a really amazing horror movie. And we have seen that time and time again in the past. Paranormal Activity was made for $10,000. It, it made just under $200 million in the box office. Uh, the Gallows, which we had the writers and directors on uh, a couple nights ago, uh, they made that for, I think they said, 100000 or less. Great movie. So I definitely believe, especially when it comes to the horror genre, to make a great movie, you do not need a big budget to make an amazing horror movie. As with any genre, you need a good story. You need to find the right people to bring that story to life, both behind and in front of the camera. So definitely support those independent films, guys. There's a lot of talent out there. And, you know, don't just wait for the big box office block, uh, blockbusters. Uh, Zoe on Twitter is saying, I really enjoyed your interview with the cast of Black Summer. 
Yes. Oh, my God. Uh, Jamie King, Justin Chu Carey, Christine Lee. Uh, they're great. And th I did a clubhouse. I moderated a clubhouse uh, cast crew Q&A uh, like two nights ago with the huge majority of the cast and the crew of Black Summer and what was supposed to be a one-hour chat turned out to be two and a half hours. It was fascinating. There was a total of eight members of the cast and crew. Jamie King was there, Christine Lee, uh, Kelsey Flower, who played Lance in season one of Black Summer, and we saw him in the beginning of season two of Black Summer. Uh, Justin was there, uh, Bashir Sylvain, uh, was there, uh, Abram, Cor uh, Abram Cox was there, Chris Regina. It was fascinating. Uh, and the way that came about is I texted Jamie, Jamie King. I'm like, you know, I would love to do uh, a clubhouse session with you to, you know, give your fans a way to ask questions, get to know you. And... Jamie loved the idea. She invited the the entire cast and crew. Uh, not everybody could make it, obviously, but a lot of them did. And that was amazing. Uh, you know, if you guys do not have uh, an invitation to the app Clubhouse, it's this is a great app. Um, I'm going to give it a little shameless plug here. Not really shameless. I have nothing to do with the app. Uh Clubhouse has been around for about two years or a little under two years. It's an audio-only app, but it's a great place to network and to have open discussions about anything and everything. What it is, you sign up, and it was available only for uh, iPhones up until just several weeks ago when it became available for Android devices. So now it's available for both iPhones and Android devices. And it's audio only. And the way it works is you can create a club or join an existing chat. You can start a room. You can title it whatever you want. You can invite guests. And depending on what you're interested in, it covers every spectrum, you know, from uh, automotive to the entertainment industry. And uh, there's a, it's a great way for professionals, uh, in this case, the entertainment industry, filmmakers, actors, to talk to and give advice to aspiring filmmakers and actors. Uh, and it that's not just for the entertainment industry, it's for every industry. So, but Clubhouse is still only available by invitation only. Um, so you have to know someone and get invited. Or if you don't, you could sign up. And what they do is they put you on a waiting list. And if anybody in your contacts is already a member of Clubhouse, they will get notified that so-and-so is waiting to be accepted into Clubhouse. And if you know someone who is on Clubhouse, 
and they, you know, click the accept button, you can bypass the wait list and be accepted right away. So Clubhouse is going to be huge. It's still just now gaining momentum, but it's a great place to network and talk to professionals and have professionals talk to uh, people aspiring to get into a particular industry. So anyway, I text message Jamie King. I would love to moderate a session with you and your fans. And it blew up into this whole cast and crew of Black Summer. And it turned into a two and a half hour discussion. Absolutely fascinating. It was amazing uh, talking to all of them. And, uh, you know, I don't know who was actually there. We had hundreds of people come in and out throughout the two and a half hour session. So I hope you guys got a chance to listen to it. Unfortunately, on Clubhouse, they don't archive any of the chats. Uh, You know, once it's if you're not listening live and you missed it, there's no way of going back and listening in. You have to. Uh, be there live uh, to check it out. So that was amazing. And just having Jamie King, Justin Chu Carey, Christine Lee as a three-person panel on Dead Talk Live last week was was great. Uh, talking to all three of them. Everybody involved in that show, Black Summer, there, it really is such a warm, open, loving family. There's no other way to put it. Uh, they're all great friends. They get along wonderful and they all keep saying the same thing that when they're on the set, the actors have the liberty to bring their characters to life the way they want to. And I think, you know, that's a big credit to Abram Cox, Chris Regina, and of course the creator, John Himes, uh, who have built that environment. I love talking to the cast and crew of Black Summer, and, I mean, words cannot possibly describe it. So, uh, Khaleesi writes, I love that interview. Uh, I love that Lance was there. Kelsey Flower is a blast. Uh, Kelsey Flower is the actor that played Lance, and uh, the way he described the character of Lance in Black Summer uh, when he booked the role... Uh, John Hyams, the creator, basically told him, Lance is a character who sort of just unwittingly became a survivor for the first half of the zombie apocalypse breakout. Uh, The way they described it and the way he described it on how his character was going to be portrayed, it's like Lance was a stoner. You know, one day he was smoking a bong And the zombie apocalypse broke out. And through sheer luck, he survived the initial wave and uh, went on to live uh, throughout at least the first part of the breakout. Uh, Khaleesi writes, you can tell how they get along together. And that's what makes Black Summer so special. Colette is also saying it was a great interview. Thank you, guys. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, Thank you to everybody who's joining the rooms. So we have not done any news or headlines in a while. I mentioned all the new shows that have come out. Let's go ahead and see what people are writing about them. That's always a treat, right? Let's see what the media uh, has to say about all these different shows. And we're going to start with Fear Street Part 3. 
Like I said, it's premiering tomorrow, titled 1666. We get to see the origin story of the witch, who is named Sarah Fear. So, consider the sequel, Curse Broken. Fear Street Part 3, 1666, satisfyingly wraps up Netflix's R.L. Stein movie trilogy with deepened themes, more fully realized characters, and enjoyable twists that lend dimension to the arching story. Whereas the first two Fear Street movies pay tribute to horror films from the eras in which they were set, 1666 is its own animal. And before I go any further, Fear Street, I gotta say right now, has some of the best... The best soundtrack. I love the music, especially in Fear Street 1994. Uh, It has a great, great soundtrack. Uh, Continuing on, perhaps it contains echoes of The Village or The Crucible, but it doesn't feel constrained by those parameters. Also, perhaps being forced to write outside of contemporary idioms reduced the third installment use of cliched and clunky dialogue. There are fewer jump scares as well. Series director and co-writer Lee Janiak relying more on the creepiness of the settling and our involvement in the story than in parts one or two. Because this was designed as a trilogy rather than a slasher film, and it's thrown together sequels, the um, stakes are considerably higher in part three. 1666 picks up at the end of part two, titled 1978, when series lead Dina thought she was ending the shady side witch's curse, but instead found herself somehow transported to the witch's Sarah Fierce time, seeing the world through her eyes and living in her body. At last, we learn the truth behind the witch's legend and the events leading to her death, but not in quickie flashback treatment. Rather, the bulk of the film is set then, exploring the characters, their motivations, and their world back in 19... I keep saying 19... Back in 1666... Don't worry, there's still evil magic and blood to come. 1666 being set hundreds of years before the other two movies, we don't get to see younger versions of the characters we have come to know. Rather, we see the actors from those previous films playing Denzians of time of the town's founding, lending some instant context for characters and relationships. Until the big, uh, sorry, until the big peace climax, 1666 also has the lowest on-screen body count of the trilogy. Tension instead comes from the deadly event towards, towards we know as Sarah Fear is inexorably being dragged, but with Dina trapped in her circumstances. Part 3 also represents the trilogy's clearest expressions of its its feminist and class struggle themes. 
toxic masculinity, homophobia, and mob rule all play their poisonous parts in 1666, tying all three films together and providing them with greater, greater dimension. Uh, Madeira delivers her best performance in the series as she labors desperately to escape Sarah's fate and save her love from the same. With very limited screen time, the real Sarah, Elizabeth Scopel, effectively conveys the extreme emotions of her predicament. Janiak posts her most assured directorial effort, and she and her co-writers turn in a script that both involves us in 17th century setting and the gonzo fun of the slam-bang finish. It's unusual that a sequel outperforms the original work artistically, and rarer still that a third film is the best of a trilogy. Fear Street Part 3, 1666, pulls off that magic trick. It should make fans glad they hung around. So, this person who's actually seen it, that's a very great review. I know, like I said, I cannot wait to see it. It's coming out tomorrow. So, moving on. Let's see. Now, on to American Horror Stories. Reopens Murder House. And I was so glad when I started watching it this afternoon. Uh, the story starts of uh, three people driving, supposedly, to a new house. And when you know it, when they pull up, it's the Murder House. I love Murder House. This is a line when sex stops and something very dark and unhealthy starts. This is meant to be a warning in the first episode of American Horror Stories, but let's be honest, it could also double as the FX on Hulu series official logline. The American Horror Story spinoff gets the party started by taking us back where it all began, Season 1's infamous Murder House. And as I've mentioned before, when Season 1 premiered, it was just called American Horror Story. It wasn't until later on where each season starting, started getting its own unique name that they went back to the first season and officially labeled it Murder House. It's the third time we've returned to this hallowed place following brief visits in Hotel and Apocalypse. And the Harmon's old stomping grounds are exactly as we remember them. Only now, one of the ghosts looks a lot like a young Cindy Crawford. We are reintroduced to this iconic locale by way of Michael and Troy, a pair of horror-loving husbands who plan on turning uh, the ghost-themed house into a bed and breakfast. And I've said this before, I know this is just a movie, guys, but never take an actual haunted house and make it into a haunted attraction. That is a bad idea. They're ignorantly optimistic about their prospects, likely because they haven't watched the first season of American Horror Story. If they did, they'd know that the only people who fare worse here than straight couples are gay ones. Less thrilled about the family's new digs, 
is Michael and Troy's 16-year-old daughter, Scarlett, played by Sierra McCormick, though she changes her tune when she discovers a slinky rubber bodysuit in her bedroom closet, proving that she also did not watch the first season of American Horror Story. Scarlett immediately tries it on, no questions asked, despite it fitting like a glove, something doesn't fight, sorry, something doesn't feel quite right, prompting Scarlett to peel off the cursed garment and throw it into the trash outside. And I mentioned this a while ago when they put up the poster for this first episode, uh, when Scarlett puts on that dark rubber suit, I swear to God, she looks like Michelle Pfeiffer from Batman, the 90s Batman, uh, when Michelle Pfeiffer played Catwoman. I'm sorry, that's where my mind goes. But not every secret is so easily disposed, which Scarlet discovers when her dads confront her about watching extreme torture porn on the family's Wi-Fi network. Uh, They threatened to ground her, but because that would keep her from attending a sleepover with secret girlfriend Maya, played by Paris Jackson, she agrees to see a therapist. Side note, it's during this intense discussion about violent porn that I remember where I know the actress playing Scarlet from. She is from Disney Channel's Aunt A.N.T. Farm. On the eve of their family therapy session, however, Scarlett finds the rubber suit back in her closet after she threw it away. Convinced that her dads are pranking her, Scarlett scares the crap out of them by suiting up, busting into their bedroom with a knife. Needless to say, they're not amused. A used S&M suit? What the fuck would we, what, sorry, why the fuck would we do that? Despite their pleas, Scarlet refuses to take off the suit, and she accidentally, in quotes, slashes Troy when he threatens to remove it, prompting him to make the most dramatic exit I've seen from a parent on TV in a long time. Quote, please beware, young lady that I will not be talking to you for weeks. But he does talk to her again the next day, in fact, during a session with Dr. Grant, the always delightful Marin Dungey. We learn a lot from this conversation, including that Scarlett was kidnapped from a grocery store as a child and went missing for 10 days. This was when she was three years old. It's a productive session, But the minute Dr. Grant asks to use the bathroom, you know it's about to be curtains for Dr. Grant. This time it appears to be the actual rubber man, or whoever is wearing the suit these days, who slashes her throat and pushes her down into the basement. Michael and Troy discover the bloody suit later that night, Uh, grossly deducing that the blood probably belongs to Scarlet, but doesn't take any, but but don't take my word for it. I'll let these misogynistic idiots speak for themselves. And they repeat the dialogue. Michael, 
Whose blood was that? Troy. I don't know. Hers, maybe? Time of the month? Oh, yeah, right. It would also explain how bitchy she's been. And then they just dropped it. They literally, the next line after that is basically, let's go eat some edible marijuana, get stoned, and watch The Crown. <laughs> it's kind of funny, actually. Uh, at this point, I can no longer care about these guys. Their brutal murders cannot come soon enough. Anyway, the sleepover turns out to be an even bigger disaster than Scarlet ever could have imagined. After changing in Maya's bedroom and revealing some of her violent kinks, she discovers that the entire conversation is being live-streamed for all to see. And that's why, I mean, teenagers can be such assholes. I'm sorry, if you're a teenager, don't mean to offend you, but... I mean, I, I don't, I'm, a, I'm at a loss for words. Live streaming a private conversation, uh, you know, this poor girl likes her and she manipulated her into her bedroom all to live stream it, you know, exposing her secrets and humiliating her. Not cool. A devastated Scarlet returns the favor by threatening to blame Maya's friends in her suicide note unless they come to her house in 30 minutes or less. You know, like a pizza that does know it's about to get brutally murdered and stuffed behind a brick wall to the tune of the patience and prudence, you belong to me. Now, it says, warning, everything from this point on spoils the plot of Rubber Woman Part 2. I'm not going to read that. I haven't seen part two. That's enough information for you guys, if you haven't watched part one yet, to really get interested in American Horror Stories and watch it. I have not seen part two yet. And what I did read of part one, not that much big of spoilers in, you know, in the way of the story. And I'm sure part two is going to get even darker and deeper into the two-part premiere of American Horror Stories. So, we're going to have to watch that. Um, so, let's go. Let's keep moving on. Of course, we're 39 minutes in. Now, AMC. AMC released... Uh, they have been releasing uh, shots, promo videos for Season 11 of The Walking Dead that is premiering in a little bit over a month on August 22nd. Uh, we are getting part one of the final season of The Walking Dead. And if you guys watched the trailer that they released today, uh, apparently season 11, which is going to premiere, it's going to play out over two years. It's going to start uh, next month and it's going to wrap up next year. But apparently there's three parts. It's not going to be just a part one that starts this year and a part two that ends in 2022. At the end of the trailer that they released today, which is not really a trailer for season 11, what makes this trailer so kick-ass is they recount the whole story of The Walking Dead from the very beginning. 
and they did it very nicely. So the Walking Dead Season 11 trailer is a look back before the Commonwealth. Um, AMC's The Walking Dead is coming to an end after 11 seasons, and it's all been building to a clash at the Commonwealth. In The Walking Dead uh, 10th season, the series' core cast of survivors made their first contact with some of the humans still thriving within the Commonwealth. It's a mysterious settlement that exists in Robert Kirkman in Tony Moore's comic series and a major location for lead character Rick Grimes. The new trailer for The Walking Dead's 11th and final season takes a look back at the series' humble, apocalyptic beginnings to remind you of just how far the show uh, have come in these days since the world fell to the undead and what was left of humanity essentially descended into chaos. In the comics, the group's arrival at the Commonwealth was introduced another ray of hope into their lives because it represents another chance at finally finding a safe place to live away from the constant threat of walkers. But in the trailer's brief glimpses of the upcoming season, you can already see how the Commonwealth's tenuous sense of peace is only going to become more tense after the newcomer's arrival. So let's go ahead and play this. If you guys have not seen this new trailer that really just recounts The Walking Dead from the very beginning, let's go ahead and check it out. This is life and death. How you live how you die, what we're willing to do, who we are. We're the reason we're still here, not me. We stick together. I know we'll be okay. Because this is how we survive. We tell ourselves that we are the walking dead. what we faced or who we've lost no matter where we've been or where we're going whatever happens we finish together 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 Tell me that's not some cool shit right there. Very brief glimpse into season 11. Obviously, the soldiers in the stormtrooper outfits, that's the Commonwealth. And then we see that other group uh, wearing those masks. Uh, 
those might be the Reapers. We don't know. Uh, I thought the Reapers were just going to be in those bonus episodes and, you know, they're going to move on from them. But no, the Reapers are going to carry over into season 11. So, of course, we're going to have the Commonwealth and then we're going to have what looks like to be this antagonist group called the Reapers who are bad from what we've seen so far. Uh, Lindsay says, awesome video. Uh, Lindsay also watched that trailer earlier today. Uh, it really gets your juices flowing. And I love how, you know, they go back to the beginning uh, in this extended trailer. And they show us some of the highlights from the first 10 seasons. And then give us a little glimpse into season 11. Uh, so I think it's epic. Season 10 was great. You know, with the whisperers that started back in season 9. And season 10 was amazing. I have a feeling season 11, it's going to be absolutely epic. And it's going to go out with a bang. So August 22nd cannot really come soon enough. I'm so excited to start watching The Walking Dead again. Uh, Zoe says, I hope you leave Mondays open for discussing The Walking Dead. That's, uh, sorry, Zoe uh, says that. And Zoe, that's a great point. Yeah, uh, moving forward. I want to leave Mondays open once August 22nd rolls around so we can discuss the previous night's episode of The Walking Dead. Uh, and there's, you know, they're breaking it into three parts. Uh, in fact, I think I stopped it too soon. Let me show you that. Yeah, part one, August 22nd, and then part two and three coming next year. So the way I think that's going to work is part one is going to be all 12 episodes starting next month. And then what I think they may do starting in October or the end of summer of 2022, they're going to give us six episodes and then they're going to take a little bit of a break and then they're going to give us the final six episodes. So that's what I think is going to be parts two and three. That's just my opinion. Obviously, the biggest questions looming over The Walking Dead's 11th season are how Andrew Lincoln's Rick Grimes will finally return to the story. He's not coming back to the TV show. And whether his fate will be similar to his comic counterparts. But even if this incarnation ends up biting the bullet... During the events of the new season, the larger Undead franchise is far from finished. Between the upcoming Rick Grimes feature films, Daryl Carroll uh, spin-off series, and a new anthology series separately are going to be airing, uh, of course, The Walking Dead World Beyond and Fear the Walking Dead. AMC's got plenty more stories about fighting zombies in store for audiences, but the vehicle that kicked off this franchise is coming to a close. It'll be interesting to see how and if the show sticks the landing. The Walking Dead's final season hits AMC on August 22nd, and are you ready for the end? Well, I'm not ready for the end, but I'm ready to start watching the next season. Uh, Lisa writes, cannot wait. 
till August 22nd. Zoe is also pumped up. Want to welcome Karen, who's saying hello. So, time is flying by. Let's see what else we have for you. Uh, we already talked about Fear Street. Due to our limited time, Cannes Film Festival is going on. There's been some great stuff that's been uh, shown this year. Uh, French horror movie Candisha's first trailer reminds us that demons are scarier in any language. So, let's watch this. It's going to be subtitled, but let's go ahead and watch this. C'est quoi ça C'est quoi cette blesse d'un mec C'est une femme plutôt. Du genre à faire flipper même ceux qui se la racontent grave. Pourquoi tu réponds pas à mes appels Si on l'a appelé pour se venger de toi. C'est elle qui a poursuivi Farine. Franchement, Amélie, je crois vraiment que t'as réussi à invoquer un fantôme de ta salle de bain. Je suis trop sûre, vous voulez voir un truc Non, ça va. Trois morts en deux jours, mais c'est une coïncidence, là. On a un problème. Aïcha Kandisha, lorsqu'on invoque, elle exige le civil d'homme. On se pousse Elle va revenir. J'ai peur, putain. On a tous peur. Il y a deux façons de stopper sa malédiction. Alors la première, c'est d'appeler le démon, de l'invoquer et de l'exorciser. La seconde, c'est... Mais c'est quoi la seconde You guys have it. It's going to be streaming on Shutter. That looks really interesting. So, let's see what else we got. He punched you in the stomach with horror. The genius of Christian Boltanski. Uh, let's see. Horror filmmaker Eli Roth digs into the scary reality of the illegal shark trade in Finn. Now, that's... I, I picked that because that's not something you would think Eli Roth would dive into, but he did. And Eli Roth is an awesome filmmaker, so keep an eye out for that one. Now, here's something interesting. Sam Raimi's horror classic, The Evil Dead, returns to cinemas nationwide to celebrate the 40-year anniversary of The Evil Dead this October. Uh, July 23rd, uh, events in Grindhouse are... Re are re sorry, in Grindhouse releasing are set to bring writer-director Sam Raimi's original 1981 horror classic, The Evil Dead, back to cinemas nationwide for its 40th anniversary, in addition to the movie that spawned a film, TV, and video game franchise, attendees will be treated to an exclusive introduction from Bruce Campbell, who portrayed the film's iconic lead character, Ashley Ash Williams. The seminal film spawned a multimedia franchise, including the upcoming feature installment, Evil Dead Rise. And Evil Dead is definitely in my top 10 of scariest movies of all time. 
Now, the Evil Dead 40th anniversary comes to movie theaters nationwide on Thursday, October 7th at 7.30 p.m. local time. Wow, they even have a specific time. Tickets for the Evil Dead 40th anniversary are on sale Friday, August 13th at FathomEvents.com and through participating cinema's box offices. For the most updated list of exhibiting movie theaters, visit the Fathom Events website. Now, um, Fathom Events, I got to mention, they are the ones who uh, have been generous enough to give us the screener to the stairs uh, that we are watching. And they were the ones that are... uh, that connected us with the, the writer and director, Peter Drago Tinman, that we are going to have on this show on Saturday. And uh, so Fathom Events, uh, we're actually going to be a part of this event that's uh, going to happen uh, starting on August 12th through that entire weekend. Uh, Dead Talk Live is actually going to sort of be a part of that. So that's really, really cool. Uh, The first installment of Sam Raimi's famed original The Evil Dead trilogy, Ash, his girlfriend Linda, sister Cheryl, and couple Scotty and Shelly drive to a remote cabin in the woods for a fun getaway while there they find the Necronomicon, the Book of the Dead, an ancient tomb whose text reawakens the dead when read out loud. After unintentionally releasing a flood of evil, the five friends must fight for their lives uh, or they become possessed. Now, we are thrilled to give horror fans the opportunity to gather together and celebrate the 40-year anniversary. We're almost out of time. Uh, and Screen Rant, top 10 scariest horror movie trailers of all time. Not the scariest movies, but the scariest trailers. Let's quickly go through this list. Psycho, number 10. Number 9, 1974, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Number 8, Hereditary, awesome movie. 7, It Follows, another great one. Number 6, Goodnight Mommy. Number 5, The Conjuring, I remember that trailer. Number 4, The Blair Witch Project, oh my god. Yeah, that was a trailer. I mean, that was a whole media frenzy on how they hyped the Blair Witch Project to actually be real, and it worked. I mean, it worked back in the 90s, and it opened up a whole new subgenre in found footage films. Number three, A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, Dream Warriors. Number two, The Exorcist. And number one, scariest horror trailer, Alien. One of the greatest horror movies, sci-fi horror movies out there. Anyway, guys, we had so much to talk about tonight. Uh, Time just flew as it always has. Thank you so much for tuning in. Remember, we are having a show this Saturday with writer-director of the movie that's being released August 12th, uh, Peter Drago Tinman, stuntman, writer, director, he did this movie, uh, and it's being released uh, August 12th. I'm halfway through watching the movie. I'm going to finish it up tonight as well. 
Yeah, it's 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 fascinating movie so far. I can't wait to see how they wrap it up. Tomorrow, don't forget, we have Sherry from The Walking Dead, Fear of the Walking Dead. Christine Evangelista is going to be right here starting at 9.30 p.m. tomorrow night. Really looking forward to talking to Christine. Please make sure to tune in as that is going to be amazing. I love talking to you guys. Uh, keep watching. Check us out. Go to our site. See all the upcoming guests that we have lined up and we have quite a few. And until tomorrow night, guys, stay safe. And remember, always stay walking. Good night.